It's Hartford Hustle, conversation with and about the people making Hartford happen, iteration 0.9.3. Joining the conversation today, Sam King, guru of marketing and business expansion, Blue Earth Compost. So passion is really important pretty much in any successful uh, venture. Uh You told me before that you were passionate about this. Yeah. So I'm curious to know, like, of all the things you could be passionate about, why this? <laughs> um, well, for me, it's it, it started a long time ago. Um, I grew up in uh, a rural area of Massachusetts, and basically the idea of having fun was just you had to go outside. Mm-hmm. So I've always been close to um, spend a lot of time out in the woods and close to the earth and 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 so i've always had a a strong feeling towards i guess stewardship um and when i started to grow up i started to learn um more about the the environmental ills that humanity is causing upon the earth went to school um started to study sustainability um and i just quickly learned that that was the path that i wanted to take i mean it kind of never i never thought it was going to be composting mm-hmm. um i don't even think composting wasn't even really on my radar it was so ubiquitous to me mm-hmm. because the idea of throwing away food as a kid uh, growing up in the country is anathema it's just something you don't do and not only are you not supposed to waste food that's on your plate or waste food that's supposed to be cooked but the stuff that's left over you know the onion skins and all that stuff um doesn't get thrown in the trash it gets thrown into a pile in your backyard and you turn it over a couple times during the course of the year and you have soil for next year's garden. So the reason that I have this passion is because I came from a way of living where sort of the harmonious way of living with nature was ubiquitous. And then as I grew up with help from many different people, I realized that if there was a space in this world for, for me to, to make an impact and to help, it's going to be pertaining to the environment and trying to help people live more in line with the with the restrictions and, and the and the bounty of, of, of Mother Earth. And why are you doing it in Hartford? What, what? <laughs> it's another thing that would have been like if you told me that I was going to do this live in Hartford, I would never have believed you. Um, I, I've been coming to Hartford since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, as I like <laughs> to say. Um, my mother grew up in West Hartford, and I still have a lot of family in West Hartford and Newington and Berlin um, and South Windsor and stuff, places like that. Um, so for every single holiday, all the birthdays, we would come down here to visit my grandparents. Um, and I rarely ever went into Hartford. They never brought me into Hartford. They are like, um, bless their hearts, but they are uh, definitely the kind of people who are scared of Hartford. They think of Hartford and they think of crime and they think of nothing to do and they think of emptiness and so i had gotten that uh impression of of the city from them i thought that there was nothing to do in hartford and that there would be no reason for me to live here like i love my family they're a blessing in my life um so i moved to hartford and moved to ashley street which coincidentally or or not coincidentally is about a where I was living was about a block and a half from where my grandmother grew up on Garden Street. I learned that only uh, maybe a year or two ago. 
which makes me think that maybe it wasn't a coincidence. Hmm. Um, is it a good story? Yeah, it is a good story. The whole thing is the whole point of this thing is to get people authentically like just talking. Just that's why it's a conversation. You know, that's why it's not like an interview. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it's it really is intended to be like we were standing around the pool table having a couple beers. And just like getting acquainted. Oh, but if that was the case, then you'd have my job right now. <laughs> Can't have that. <laughs> Pre-qualifications for working for Blue Earth Compost. Must like beer. Must play pool. <laughs> what are what are the uh, what what are the actual qualifications? How do you guys talk about this when you, when you think about like you're, you're building a company? Uh, the people who are working for us um, are people who can do hard work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We move like forty to fifty thousand pounds of food a week, mm-hmm. and that's all currently on people's backs. Right. We got to lift every single pound of it. Uh, you know, we have trucks with lift gates and stuff like that, but it all has to be manually dumped. So it's people with a hard, with that are strong, that have a good hard work ethic. We try to instill the passion that Alex and I have. All of our employees, except for one, don't come from a background where they, you know, that they, they weren't primarily exposed to it in other places. They understand that it's about more than it being a job, mm-hmm. and I think if if they understand that, and I know they do, um, then Alex and I are doing a good job um, with that that part of the culture of our business. We're you know we're all about the same age range, you know, late twenties to early thirties, except for Alphonse. Alphonse is uh, is the, our maintenance guy. Mm-hmm. He knows Hartford in and out. He knows every single street. Uh, he's been with us for a while. So you t- you said something about you guys did a network map of your organization. Mm. I mean, you said we did a network map, and he's the most connected guy in the company. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was you know, we were, we had to hire um, IT consultants. Um, they developed some new software for us. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's true. <laughs> I just was. I just had a piece of note. I just had my notebook out. Mm-hmm. We had had a, a. We have quarterly meetings, mm-hmm. and at the meeting, part of my responsibility is to help think of questions mm-hmm. for the employees to ask or questions that we want them to answer. And I was thinking about Alphonse. I'm like, what kind of questions do I want to answer? And just like in the process of ideation, I started to think about how he relates to everybody else. And I was like. I'd like to make, you know, basically a Venn diagram, mm-hmm. or maybe not a Venn diagram, but a diagram. A network diagram. A network diagram, yeah, just like little circles. It has each person's name in it, mm-hmm. and then a line on who they directly um, influence on a daily work, like a day on a daily basis, like whose work doesn't get done unless this person gets their work done. And Alphonse's work was uh, the most uh, spread most- out. Was the most touched connect- everybody in the business. He was the most connected. Yeah, even more so than Alex and I, who run the business. Mm-hmm. So, I guess that's a little point of pride for Alphonse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and good to know for for you guys. Yeah, it's, it is good to know for us. Yeah, I think we all knew it anecdotally, but it was nice to have it in a, in a visual format. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, that's actually a fairly sophisticated thing to do. You know, you're mapping out your workflow. You're looking at your network relationships. Yeah, I guess I can put systems engineer next to my. Uh, <laughs> The other accolades that I have doing work for Blue Earth Compost. I mean, it's easy when you only have, there's six of us. Yeah. It's easy when there's six, but you know, you get to 600, yeah. that'll be a little more difficult. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe then you get the IT consultant. I'm trying to think if Blue Earth Compost will ever have 600 employees. That would be amazing. 
That would be incredible. So how about that? At that scale, like like what would, how much larger would the market be? Like like how big would the company be in terms of reach? That would be massive. Yeah. That would be just incredibly massive. I mean, to give you a scale, um, we probably waste about six hundred and fifty thousand tons of food waste mm -hmm. per year in Connecticut. So if we're talking about 7,000 a week, that's more than Connecticut. Mm -hmm. That's if we've got every bit of food scraps in Connecticut. Yeah. So I guess you'd be talking about the Northeast. Yeah. And we'd, we'd be the biggest player in the game in the Northeast. So who, are the, so who are the big, big players? For food scrap diversion? Yeah. Well, thankfully there are none in Connecticut. We are the biggest in Connecticut. Well, but so, so here's the thing about that. One of the crucial things that, that has come up consistently over the years, and there's books written about it, is you, want to, you don't want to enter a crowded space and try to compete. Yeah. yeah. What you want is you want a sufficiently... The first to market. Right. You want to define a space where you're, you're alone. You're, it's white space or blue ocean. So if you... And if that's connected to a much larger opportunity, right? So you're, you're able to develop your expertise your technology yeah if somebody was willing to give me a couple million dollars I could make this business huge yeah. massive yeah. even just a couple million dollars we could really do a lot with that yeah. but venture capitalists don't go flocking to business like ours they like blockchain businesses like we're about to do a crowdfunding campaign and eight of the and I know Crowdfunding is different than VC, obviously, but eight of the ten biggest crowdfunding were blockchain companies. Right. And tech companies get all the attention. Right. They're not really interested in a company that with a lot of potential, obviously, but it's harder to get them to bite on a company with like high labor costs right. and uh, high capital costs. They want a company where it's like a couple of dudes that you know, all they need is their computers and they have this software because you can bring that worldwide. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, you give them a little bit of money, they bring it worldwide. And next thing you know, that they all have their own yachts and they're on to the next thing. Right. It's harder to sell them on a company like ours because ours is a slow growth strategy. Mm -hmm. Even if you give us a few million dollars, it's not going to pay off two years from now. Right. It's going to take a little while. We've had people come to us and try to buy us or buy portions of us, um, and they all just come with just terrible offers. Yeah. They just, they're insulting, right. truthfully, for the amount of blood, sweat, and tears. But I mean, back to your, the bigger point um, about being first in the market mm -hmm. or like being alone in the market. Yeah, that's a big, that's a huge thing for us. And that's why, why we, str we strive, we're trying to grow as fast as we can. We've been hamstrung by capacity at every point in our business development because we just don't have the capital to buy the trucks that we need or hire the people that we need in order to grow as fast as the market um, would allow us to. We're going to be getting a dump truck, which is, sounds kind of funny for a, a company that works in waste. We're getting our first dump truck. It's custom built for us next year, um, and that's going to increase our capacity um, uh, greatly. And so now we're, we're working over these next two months before the, the dump truck gets here to build that customer base to support that infrastructure. Um, and we're hoping that that will be sort of like jumping from the Stone Age to the Iron Age for this business.
um, because obviously the dump truck is automated. No more carrying stuff on our backs anymore. It can take so much more in one in one trip. So it's going to positively impact your cost structure. Yeah, and it's going to positively impact your your Revenue. your the amount of manpower you need per per ton. Mm-hmm. And you're going to, of course, pick up more stuff. So, so hopefully, yeah, this will be the this will be the moment that attracts the attention of of, of other people right. where we start to get those big contracts. Right. Then we get on the road to our 600 employees. Biggest company in the Northeast, <laughs> Blue Earth Compost is the name. They they take the name Dunkin' Donuts off of the stadium, and then they put up the Blue Earth Compost Stadium. And you've got the right colors. Well, yeah, you got Hartford's colors. Not a coincidence. <laughs> so why are you in Hartford? Like why Hartford? It was family, but like family. But yeah. why are you living in town? Uh, it's a confluence of reasons. I think the big one is I'd never lived in a city before, so I want to know what that was like. The second thing is. I, as somebody who studied a lot about sustainability and uh, is a student of history, uh, I'm well aware of how the past 50, 60 years of neo-urbanism and uh, decisions by um, people on a whole scale to defund cities has affected them, not only through white flight and the process of the you know, inter- the interstate highways uh, going in through the middle of cities and redlining, um, but all of the, yeah, just the, the the conglomeration of all those those decisions have basically made cities um, a quote unquote undesirable place to live. But cities are really what should be the heart of of any kind of metropolitan area. You can't have a strong can't have a strong metropolitan area without a strong city and so I wanted to be a part of the solution instead of a part of the problem so I never not not only for that that passion for trying to help out the area that I was living in but also I just could never imagine myself living in the suburbs Mm -hmm. I came from a place that um, struggle was no stranger to Mm -hmm. the place that I grew up in Um, and so I definitely feel an affinity for places that are struggling mm-hmm. um, and that have grit and grime but because in that same place you have strong determination and you have uh, those kinds of places attract people who are driven people who are trying to you know make a name for themselves and make their, the place that they live better you don't you don't grow out of comfortability and the suburbs are all about being comfortable mm-hmm. so I want to be around people who who struggle? And, and so, so talk about the culture of Hartford. Like, obviously, you're here, so that's an interesting thing. It's it's also a very segregated city. So there's a lot of different cultures going on, and I, I think that's part of what I like about it is that, unlike any other place I've ever lived, there are people from all over the world here. So I can I can meet and interact and eat and listen to music with people who. I never would have been uh, around growing up in in the rural areas of Massachusetts, and and then if I had chosen to live in the suburbs, um, so it's a it's a very multicultural city. It's very international. It has a lot of people who just come here during the day and then leave. So it has a feeling of emptiness in certain areas of the city, uh, but it's also very vibrant in other parts of the city. And those are the parts of the city that people don't see as much, but they are the 
but they are the very realest parts of Hartford. You know, I was talking to G, who has uh, bought me yesterday. Over on Capitol? Right. So I was talking to him yesterday, and the way he put it was, for those of us that are looking at it from the inside out, the things that people say about Hartford are just like, it's just not true. Mm-hmm. So talk about your view of Hartford from the inside out. The vi- yeah, talk I mean, about Hartford is a, is a place of, a, of, of dichotomy. You know, it has these strong formal institutions uh, of culture, uh, of business, um, that are old and um, you might say antiquated, but, you know, but they're still strong. And then it has a, a very uh, so what, what, strong what, network of informal cultural institutions and business institutions. So give me an example of a former. Aetna, mm-hmm. the Wadsworth, okay. um, Hartford Stage. Okay. And so, but the latter is really your, your world, right? It's the world that I exist in more so. I would love to see more shows at the Bushnell. I'm unfortunately not in uh, the economic situation that I can be buying tickets to Hamilton, even though I would love to see it. Right. It's really the latter, like one of the opportunities of the podcast is to start to sort of introduce people, give people some insight into the, into the latter. Mm-hmm. The, sure. That informal network of... Yeah, I mean, it's it's people making spaces and places in in locations where they weren't. You know, they don't have the backing of of a formal institution in order to say, hey, you know, like, I, I need a venue for my dance. Uh, it's people saying, I need a venue for my dance, I'm going to go make that venue. Or it's a bunch of artists getting together and saying, uh, there's no place where we can all work together in order to create our art, so we'll have to create it ourselves. In many ways, Hartford is a city that the formal institutions still exist in, but they have created a void that exists because so many people leave the city during the day. So these voids exist and the informal groups of people, the artists and the, the restaurateurs and the dancers are filling that void in their own way. And that's the part that's harder to see from the outside because, because they don't get the big headlines, but they are just as deserving. You know, in the building that we exist in, um, up in the North End, the Fuller Brush Factory, we've been there since April of 2017. And since we moved in there, um, there's been a flurry of activity of, of local entrepreneurs doing textiles, doing art, doing photography, um, other businesses that are trying to make products to go to market just in that span of time, in that year about year and a half, which you don't see from the outside. Or the area that we're sitting in right now is probably one of the more interesting parts of the city in Parkville because it's seeing... Um, the, it's starting to reap the benefits of, of years and years of people seeing the potential here and, and you know seeing that space is cheap there's a lot of empty warehouse space and, and building breweries and building printing companies and music studios and, and restaurants and, and, and you know and reset was part of the, you know one of the anchors that brought all of this together so it's an interesting dichotomy dichotomy between a formal and an informal economy and you don't see the informal economy from the outside. I think it's also that there's some there's this tension there, in, the, a posit, in a positive sense. You've got these two things going on, and there's this. It's creating a certain kind of a space because the space like like um, 
like tangibly or like more so like on a well it could be it could be, you know I mean, it could physically be representative right i could never leave parkville probably <laughs> and do a hundred episodes yeah. right i can't that sounds pretty interesting too though it would be but one that's not what i should do but I, I think also part of this conversation is you're trying to figure out what makes Hartford different from anywhere else. Yes. When I came into it, I didn't know what the intent of this conversation was. But now that it's exposed to me, I want to know the answer as well. Because, I mean, even though I have an answer, that doesn't mean it's the answer. Right. And I feel like that's part of what makes this community what it is, is that there are so many different answers to it. I mean, that's what makes a city. Is, 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 it is the collective... It is the collective voice of thousands and thousands of people. Some speak louder than others, but everybody has a voice. It kind of relates to something I was thinking about this morning, is that I guess I'm just very personally concerned about the direction of this planet, and that there's just uh, the, the, the pace of progress seems to be faster and faster technologically, but it doesn't seem to be headed in in one direction. It's heading in all directions all at once, and there's no grounding. There's no no there's no grounded goal. Not everybody. We're not all working towards like a value. Like let's say one value is like the betterment of society. Like we should have our technology work towards the betterment of society. But not everything is working in that direction. We don't all. We're all not all. Uh, ascribing to that same value so it seems like a very dangerous thing to have progress going at the speed that it's going without trying to work together towards a common goal I would say that a city is the same way is that we are all living our lives but if we're not all living our lives based on the same common goal of, of making our community better for all of us then we're not going to get to that result. Who was the Who was the person that came into your life at some point? Any point doesn't have to be about the business. Uh-huh. That came in and, and like changed your direction, pointed something out to you that you didn't understand that made a difference. <laughs> it's tough to get personal. You know? um, I think there was a point um, shortly after when I moved to Hartford when. There was a person that was special to me that rejected me. And I took that uh, as a person who has experienced a lot of rejection in their life. I started to take it as like a sign that like, well, there's something wrong with me. And then I started, uh, and you know, when you go through a section like that, you just, you become very inward and self-reflective and you don't let yourself shine. But it helped me to realize that you're not going to make everybody happy in this world. So you need to do the things that make you happy. And then the people that like those things about you will flock to you and they will find you. And those are your actual people. That's your tribe. That's your tribe, yeah. That's what I'm listening for. That's That's what's in this gap there. But you said it much more clearly this just now. Yeah, there's no point wasting your life on trying to make. Well, I guess some people do, and they, they you know, they, they can be successful in their own ways. But I, I've just realized that I don't have the time 
<laughs> I don't have the, the time to do anything but me. And uh, and there's enough people in this world that will resonate on the same wavelength that I do. So, and that's another thing that I think does emerge from these conversations in Hartford. Like people get that. Like a lot of people get that, and they're actually operating that way. Do you find that? I mean, when you live in Hartford, is a small community, and you you have to play a fine balance between doing your own thing and being supportive of others and not um, burning bridges. You can't really, there's not, there's not a lot of room for burning bridges in this city, especially if you want to be a part of that informal group that we were talking about before. I have people in my network who have a somewhat bombastic relationship with, or not relationship, but about bombastic personality and attitude. And because of that, they've burned a lot of bridges. And someone who's very talented and this, the community would want to support doesn't because they've chosen to do things that way. And I have other people in my network who are all about supporting what other people are doing and always want to help and always want to be let other people shine. Um, and it's like a form of what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And the community recognizes that. People recognize that. Um, so, yeah, you got to be yourself, and you have to you have to hope that by being yourself and by expressing yourself, that's going to draw other people to you. But you also have to. You have to understand that we're, we're all working together. It, it's it's like a small business. The the culture has to be um, one of of open communication and collaboration. Uh, and if you start static with somebody else, it's it's everybody else is going to know about it real fast. Right. Every, uh, I know. You know. I've lived in this community for a little over four years now, and I know. A lot of people know about my dirty laundry. Yeah. <laughs> Things get around fast. Yeah. Things get around fast, and you know, nobody's perfect, but but you, you try and do better. You try and be yourself, but you try and do more good than bad. So that's a great. That is a great articulation of of it. And again, you know, everything we've covered. Yeah, in a the bigger city, you can be anonymous. You know, in, you know, we've talked about the word void in a negative fashion, but. For somebody who sees who sees the opportunity in space, that is a beautiful thing. They see an opportunity to, to express themselves and be heard in Manhattan. You and I are just another Joe Schmo. Right. <laughs> only, only the uh, wow! I can't name any famous musicians right now. I live in the past. What is her name? The I won't be able to help you, bro. <laughs> Cardi B. Only the Cardi B's of the world are known in, in New York City. Right. But anyway, so a minute ago, you, you just said, if you view that space... That's a positive thing. Right, right. Uh, so when you first talked about that, you were talking about it as a void, like uh, something missing. Mm -hmm. And now you're talking about it, same thing, right? Mm -hmm. As an opportunity. Another way to see the elephant. That flip is what we're after. All the same stuff is still going to be true when people start talking about it from this other side. They're just going to be talking about it 
in a different way. So, for example, I look at Hartford from the point of view of, of wanting to find uh, entrepreneurial opportunities in the social benefit corporation space or the social entrepreneurship, right? Well, go to Simsbury or Avon or Farmington and see how many opportunities for social entrepreneurship there are. Hartford is one big incubator from my point of view. Yeah, the, there's a lot of resources here that I never didn't even know these kinds of things existed. Yeah, Hartford's great at that, truthfully. Personally, we worked with Reset when we were getting our business off the ground, uh, the Social Entrepreneurs Trust, um, and they offered everything from you know the material things to like having a printer to use and a coffee machine and Wi-Fi, uh, all the way up to um, like great programmatic um, offerings, like having um, all kinds of entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs and, and people in the business realm come and do talks to, um, they have an accelerator program where you can learn a lot of the business 101 skills if you have an idea for a business but didn't go to business school. Um, they have um, access to great advisors in all kinds of fields. Um, we met our primary business advisor there. Um, and she still works with us, even though we, you know, we're still a part of Reset, but we don't have our offices here anymore. Um, and she's um, one of the most wise and savvy people I've ever met in my whole life, and she truly cares about our business. Um, Reset is definitely part of the success story of Blue Earth Compost. It can't be told without Reset. And I think that they're, you know, they're, Reset's not the only incubator in the city. And so there are a lot of businesses in this area that greatly benefit from the fact that somebody conscientiously created uh, an organization like Reset or the other startup businesses. Uh, dovetailing with what we were just talking about is that our company needs support right now. Yeah. Um, we're going through a big growth period. Um, we just hired people. We're getting a brand new truck, which was not cheap. Um, and we are really trying to hit the market hard um, so that we can ensure the long, uh, a, a long path of sustainability for our business. And at the same time, actually exponentially grow that impact that we've been making in our past. And whenever a business such as ours goes through a growth period like this, it comes at big cost. You know, we've had to make some really big investments and we could really use the support of our community. So two ways that you can really help us out, look into our, our business, look into our service. You know, we're doing something good for people and for planet. And if you can um, afford it, it'd be a great addition to your life. And if you can't, let us know and we'll try and make it work for you. The message I would like to say to people that is a little bit less self-aggrandizing, is that the word, is just say hi to people in your community more often. Be friendly. It goes a long way. And before we go, a couple of notes on this conversation. The conversation was recorded in December 2018. Since then, Blue Earth successfully completed their crowdfunding campaign, 
and the most beautiful garbage truck ever built is on the road. To learn more about Blue Earth, visit www.blueearthcompost.com. One final note, Sam mentioned Reset, the Social Enterprise Trust, and the impact it is making here in Hartford, thanks to the vision and commitment of its founder. Her name is Kate Emery, and Kate joins the conversation in an upcoming iteration. Until next time, thanks for listening in to the conversation with and about the people making Hartford happen. Thank you.